Newton's third law of motion, put simply, says, for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. We experience it all the time. Let me give you some personal examples. The first time I used a gun, a shotgun at a clay target place, the shot exploded out the barrel and there was an equal and opposite reaction. A bit more than I expected, the recoil of the gun nearly broke my jaw. A skateboard. A skateboard works on Newton's third law of motion. You can put one... I didn't practice this bit. (laughs) One foot on, and your foot at the back is going to push off, and there is an equal and opposite reaction, and if all the other laws of physics go right, as well as my balance... Try it again. I haven't tried in these shoes, that's the, that's the one. Or a balloon. You can blow up a balloon. There's an air pressure inside and a hole at the bottom. So that if I let it go, the air rushing out, there's an equal and opposite reaction. I didn't practice that, and that worked much better than skateboard. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. That's Newton's third law of motion. Now, as Jesus' gospel mission goes out and advances in the world, there is a force pushing back against it. It is always opposed. But Jesus' gospel mission mission doesn't conform to Newton's law because Jesus' gospel mission keeps on advancing. It is unstoppable. As we've been reading through the book of Acts, let me give you a couple of examples of the force that was pushing back. In Acts chapter 6 and chapter chapter 7, there was the arrest and then murder of the church leader, Stephen. Acts chapter 12, we looked at it last Sunday if you're here. King Herod was putting Christians in jail. King Herod kills James. In Acts chapter 13, here that we've just read, at the end of that chapter, jealousy is stirred up amongst the Jews, the Jewish community. They're opposed to the gospel message about Jesus that Paul and Barnabas are preaching. When we get into Acts chapter 14... There's an attempt there to kill Paul. They think they have actually killed him. He even looks dead. And then he revives and walks back into town the next day and keeps preaching. A force pushes back against Jesus' gospel mission. And again and again, the gospel continues to reach out to the ends of the earth just as Jesus had promised. So in Acts chapter 12, verse 24, it says, But the word of God continued to increase and spread. Acts chapter 13, verse 44, that's on the verses that's printed there for you. Chapter 13, verse 44, Almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. And then in verse 49, The word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region. 
The gospel message about Jesus continues to reach out to the ends of the earth. Now, this is why we're talking about Jesus in 2017. This is why we do church each Sunday. This is why we celebrate Easter each year. This is why we might even revisit Easter today. Christianity has a trajectory in the world and in eternity that cannot be ignored. Raymond Ibrahim is an Egyptian-born American uh, scholar and expert on Islamic studies and Islamic culture and Islamic religion. And he writes this about the trajectory of Christianity. All values prized by the modern West, religious freedom, tolerance, humanism, gender equality, monogamy, are inextricably rooted to Judeo-Christian principles which over the course of some 2,000 years have had a profound influence on Western epistemology, society and culture. What's he saying? Christianity just has this trajectory in the world and into eternity that cannot be ignored. Now I want to show you today why this trajectory is unstoppable why we might revisit Easter, not just as a celebration here on Sunday, but revisit personally in our lives. I'm guessing that everyone here this morning has some kind of awareness of God. Uh, You're here for Easter Revisited or you've turned up at church today because you have some kind of connection to the truths of Easter. You have, you have some recognition that there is a supreme being who's before us and over us. Now, on a personal level, to every single person here, I want to invite you this morning to expand your understanding of who God is. You see, I'm convinced that a worldview that has Jesus at the centre gives ultimate purpose and hope in life. I think... It's a trajectory worth aligning our lives with. Not just because Christianity is global, not just because it's big, not just because it's popular, not just because it has a big influence in the world and across 2,000 years of history, but because at the heart is a personal engagement with God that makes sense of life now and into eternity. So why is Jesus' gospel mission unstoppable? Why revisit Easter? I've got two reasons for us. The first one is because Easter is God's plan. It was His idea. And did you notice this emphasis in our reading from Acts chapter 13. I'm going to take you to quite a few verses here. So you've got Acts 13 open, in the middle of Vital Info Handout or in a Bible. The emphasis here that Easter is God's plan, that it was His idea. Have a look first at verse 17. Verse 17. The God of the people of Israel chose our ancestors... He, God, made the people prosper. How did He do it? With a mighty power. 
He led them out of that country. Verse 18, for about 40 years, he endured their conduct in the wilderness. Verse 19, he, God, overthrew the seven nations. He's doing this to fulfill the promise that he had made beforehand that he would settle his special chosen people in a land of their own. He will do it. This is God's plan. Continuing in verse 20, God gave them judges. Verse 21, He gave them Saul to be king. Verse 22, He, God, made David their king. Verse 23, God has brought to Israel the Saviour Jesus as He promised. This is God's plan. Jesus arrives all as part of God's timing. What happens to Jesus? Verse 27, is to fulfil the words of the prophet, what God had said beforehand. Verse 29, they carried out all that was written before. Jesus' death on the cross was not a tragic accident and it was not the end. Verse 30, because God raised him. Verse 32, what God promised our ancestors. Verse 33, he had has fulfilled for us. Verse 34, God raised him. As God has said, I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised. Verse 36, God's purpose. Verse 37, God raised. Easter is God's plan. Jesus' death and resurrection is a plan that God set in motion and he works out all things according to his plan. Easter is God's plan. It was his idea and he will continue to work out his plan. Now the second reason why we might revisit Easter is because Easter is good news. Easter is good news. See there verse 32? As the Apostle Paul preaches to this community, he says, we tell you the good news, what God promised our ancestors. He has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. What is good news for us? When do you say good news? Something that gets our attention? Uh, Something that's a little bit out of the ordinary? A nice surprise, good news. Something that gives us cause for celebration, that's good news. Well, that's nice. Good news, a good excuse for a binge on chocolate holiday eggs and to take a long, long weekend. What's good news for us? When the Bible says good news, this is monumental best news ever. Let's hone in on what that news is. Verse 38. Verse 38. Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. A justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Many of you here, a great number of you, will be home renters or sometime in your past you have rented a unit 
an apartment, a home, a house. Now, landlords, you might want to tune out for this next little bit. If you are or have been a renter, you will know what rental inspection time means. You know that periodic assessment that fills many of us with dread and a flurry of cleaning. The real estate agent is going to turn up and inspect the place that we rent. They're going to take photos so that they can record it and so they can show the landlord. And as that time comes and we get into that flurry of cleaning, we see every little thing that we think the agent might pick up on, the scum on the shower screen, the mark on the wall, the scratch, the new scratch on the bench, the chip on the tiles, the weeds in the garden bed. And we get busy now trying to make the house look like houses do in real estate photos. And then the day comes, the agent comes, the agent goes, the report is made and we breathe a huge sigh of relief that we've scraped over the bar this time. But we all know it'll get untidy again, it'll get dirty again, new marks will appear on the walls, the scratch on the kitchen bench that we're able to strategically place a pot plant over the top of while the inspection was going on, the stain on the carpet that we're able to hide under the new rug that we purchased will be still there when we move out. And at the final inspection, we'll have the same flurry of stress and uncertainty about whether our bond money will be returned this time. Now, forgiveness of sins in verse 38, justification in verse 39 is so wonderfully different. You see, through Jesus' death on the cross, Jesus offers us a spotless life. Every mark, every scratch, Every stain, every blemish of sin is seen and it's accounted for by Him. You see, each one of us, from the day we were born right through to today, each one of us, before God, mess up. We drop the ball. Like spilling the coffee onto the clean carpet. We have spilt sin and mess in our lives. We fall into old habits. We've just got this built-in determination to make life work for ourselves apart from God. It's what the Bible calls sin. It's a stain, it's a blemish, it's a mess, it's a scratch, it's a chip that we cannot cover up. We cannot clean it up. We cannot make it go away. But Jesus offers us a spotless life as his death accounts for our mess out of his bond. He promises that every bit of damage will be paid for and that he will go on always ensuring that we are accepted by God. We never need fear being evicted from Jesus' eternal home. This 
This is good news. This is the best news. This is unstoppable news. Can you see how Christianity is so much more than hollow chocolate holiday eggs? Can you see that with a true understanding of the truths of Easter, there's a satisfaction that comes that doesn't have a post-Easter sugar crash? There's a deep joy that cannot be squashed by returning to the work school routine after an Easter long, long weekend. This is why I'm inviting you to revisit Easter. It's an invitation to align your life and belief with Jesus. The celebration of Easter is more than an acknowledgement that Jesus exists or that that he had his moment in history. It's more than having an annual religious connection to Easter. The truths of Easter need to inhabit our whole lives. Now earlier this morning, you might have taken the Lord's Supper, joined in, because you always have, because you're a Christian. It's a great joy to me, and I'm sure it is to you, to share with one another in this symbolic meal from time to time as we remember Jesus and celebrate Him together. If that is you, please know today and rejoice in those timeless truths of Easter. Rejoice in them today and every day. Make Good Friday and Easter Sunday part of your everyday knowing that you are perfectly accepted by God because of what Jesus has done for you. Perhaps this morning you took part in the Lord's Supper, but you're not sure if you're a Christian. Perhaps you took part because you always have. Or you might have felt a little bit uncomfortable sitting there this morning and while many other people round about you were doing it, you just thought you would, you would do it as well. Yet, you might be thinking that as I've been sharing with you today, God is opening your eyes to what it means to follow Jesus. Maybe this morning you are being drawn to the good news of forgiveness and God's acceptance. Maybe as you've been thinking about your own life and the stains and the scratches that you've got hidden under rugs and pot plants, you're thinking that you want to give up on that self-determination to make life work for yourself and today you want to take hold of the true acceptance and eternity that comes with Jesus. Make this revisited Easter, the best day ever for you. I urge you, as Jesus does, to do what the Gentiles do in verse 48. This is what you need to do. Verse 48, when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honoured the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. Will you put your belief and trust in Jesus today? Will you make this Easter revisited the best day ever for you? Perhaps you're here this morning though and you're not yet sure if this is for you. 
I'm really glad that you're here. And I'm really glad that you can be clear-minded and honest with yourself to recognise that you might not be a follower of Jesus. I hope that uh, I've given you some things to think about today. And my encouragement to you is to not just leave it here. If you're invited along by somebody today, ask them to share a little bit more about why they are convinced of who Jesus is. Ask them a little bit more about what it means for them to believe the gospel message about Jesus. Or I'd welcome you to come and chat with me. You can come and ask me this morning at morning tea or my email and mobile number on the back of the handout today. You can get in touch with me there. I'll be happy to answer any of your questions if I can, uh, or, or, or at least to be able to uh, point you in places where you might be able to find help. If you want to investigate Jesus a little bit more, there's a book for you on our information table over there today. It's called The Essential Jesus. The Essential Jesus. A book that'll help you know and understand more about who Jesus is. You can take one of those for free. Today is a great day to revisit Easter, to make today the the best Easter ever and the best day ever, to be caught up in the unstoppable trajectory of Jesus' gospel mission in the world now and into eternity. I'm going to lead us now in a prayer that... Each one of us can make our own prayer. If what I say expresses what you might like to say to God this morning, please echo what I say in your own mind as your prayer to God. God knows us. God hears us. Let's pray. Dear God, I sometimes feel like I don't know you or think much about you. But I thank you that you were there, that you made the world and that you generously provide for me. Sometimes I feel like you don't exist or care about me because I see suffering and brokenness in the world. But I realise I'm capable of causing this myself, along with all people who try to do life their own way without you. God, please forgive me. Because Jesus died for me, please give me a spotless life before you, Please help me to know your perfect acceptance of me. Thank you that this is possible. Please change me and make me more like Jesus. Make the timeless truths of Easter real to me every day. And we pray for all people who are seeking to understand life in this world and beyond. Please lead them to Jesus. Help us to hear their point of view, to carefully listen to their questions, 
and to warmly share with them of what we know about Jesus. Dear God, please be kind and gracious to them. We thank you that you invite us to pray because of Jesus and we pray these things according to your promise. In Jesus' name, Amen.